does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All-Star Weekend is upon us. There are so many cool things going on. We talked about the fact that there is a big one taking place in our building, as a matter of fact, later this afternoon with Oscar Robertson and certainly one of the greats when you talk about Pacer players. He is one of four players to have started an NBA All-Star game while representing the Indiana Pacers, one of his six All-Star performances. Jermaine O'Neal joins us on the show today. Jermaine, welcome back to Indianapolis. Good to talk to you. It's good to be back here. Hey, let's begin with this. Um, I've kind of been asking guys this about the All-Star game itself. For you, and I realize when you're playing in it, it probably is a whirlwind, but what are just your memories of being an All-Star and being an All-Star starter for that matter? Uh, take me through just some of your best memories of the experience of being an NBA All-Star. Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think the obviously you always remember the first one. The first one is the one that you know you've watched. You know you remember watching it on television. You know multiple times over, and you know you're considered one of the best players. You know not only in in, in the NBA but in the world. Um, so you remember the first one, um, and then it becomes kind of you know it comes routine a little bit. It's all, the honors are still great. You still feel. You know, you're still really, really happy about it. And obviously, as a starter, uh, it talks a lot about your popularity as well um, amongst only, you know, uh, the peers, but the fans and the coaches. So, you know, that meant a lot to me. The only thing I did not like is when we played right up against the All-Star break. Um, you know, obviously back then, you know, the uh, you know the schedule was a little bit different. There's a lot more games coming at you a lot faster. Uh, and we didn't have these long breaks after the All-Star break either. So, you know, we'll get a game. All-Star break, it starts on Friday. We'll be playing Wednesday or Thursday. And then we got to fly out the next day. And then got to fly back on that, that, you know, either that Sunday night after the game or early that Monday morning. And you're right back at it. So, uh, the transition time wasn't as good uh, when I was playing. But obviously, you know, being considered, you know, one of the, one of the best players in the game, um, it means a lot to you every single time that you get announced. Jermaine, what do you remember most about your breakout campaign with the Pacers? Because the time you're coming off your early years in Portland and the trade itself had mixed reactions initially from Pacers fans because they're just coming off the NBA Finals and a lot of beloved faces like Rick Smith's wind up departing the team after that. And then you come in and immediately, like I remember growing up, you were one of my favorite Pacers players. A lot of Pacers fans feel that same way. What were those early years like for you in Indiana? Uh, it was it was great, you know. I think uh, you know, in all fairness, you know, the city you know had the right to feel you know it was definitely some mixed emotions coming off the you know a finals appearance that they came up you know a little short. Um, obviously, giving away you know uh, Dale Davis, who, who was you know uh, one you know one of the fans' fa- uh, favorites, you know was was a lot to digest for you know, pretty much a, a young man that you know didn't didn't get a lot of opportunity in uh, in Portland. So it was a lot of unknown. Um, but I, I felt, always felt like they were giving me an opportunity. And I think most importantly, the, the biggest thing that I, I remember is just Reggie, you know, having the conversation with Reggie when I first got there. And he said, look, man, he said, you know, I'm not upset. You know, you know I'm, I'm going to let you be whatever you're going to be. You know, uh, you have a lot of talent. And it's, it's called, you know, whatever you decided to be or, or become in this league, it's going to be based off the work that you put in. And that really made me feel a lot more comfortable, to be quite honest. 
Uh, and then obviously being out in the community, the community always made me feel feel right at home. Um, you know, and it, it was it, it allowed me to kind of develop and, and get into my craft at the level that I needed to. Um, and being able to represent the Indiana Pacers, you know, in the All Star Game uh, meant a lot to me. Jermaine, when you look back on, as Jimmy mentioned, that trade, Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. I remember when you were with Portland, might have been your rookie year, and and being at a game, and I think I was working at Channel Six at the time, and and seeing you on the bench, and I remember thinking, like, man, you were a high school kid, basically, you know, and. I remember thinking to myself, like, I felt bad because you weren't on the floor. And then all of a sudden you get traded, and as you talked about, you were able to blossom. When you first got the news that Indiana was bringing you here, was it more a feeling of pressure because of all that went into it or more a feeling of a freedom and an opportunity? Well, um, it definitely wasn't pressure because I was angry. Um, and I'm going to tell you why, because, you know, the first three years on the rookie scale back then, um, you know, I became a free agent and I had an opportunity uh, to go be a starter with four of the teams uh, in free agency. But at the time, we had just came up short in the Western Conference Finals uh, against uh, San Antonio, the great uh, corner three that Sean Elliott made, but didn't put his heel down on the, uh, on the out-of-bounds line, um, which crushed us at the time. But uh, it was one of those scenarios where, you know, I felt like, you know, I was still young. Uh, I can go back to Portland and, you know, and still be able to contribute uh, at a high level. And, you know, of what was been asked for me, and it was promised to me that I would, I would be able to play minimally 24 minutes a game. So I re-signed back with them for another four years, and then it got worse, right? And so when I got, when I got the call, and interestingly enough, I bumped into Isaiah Thomas. Uh, it's my first time ever meeting him. At in uh, Oakland at the at the All Star game, uh, he was coming from something, and I was going to the dunk contest. And he grabbed my arm. He said, "Hey, look, son, just keep doing what you're doing. People see you working." And as soon as he got the job, you know, him and Donnie, you know, I literally had just got to Jamaica with my wife on vacation. And I tell you guys, I took the smallest prop plane uh, getting off that island when I got the call because um, I need I felt like I needed to get back as soon as possible. But it was an amazing call. I was ready. I was really ready for it um, because I had, I had got an opportunity to to practice against Rasheed Wallace, Brian Grant, Arvidi Sabonis, uh, Cliff, the late great Cliff Robinson. I mean, just so many people that I I was really you know having to sharpen my knife with and against on a day-to-day basis in practice that when I got an opportunity to play in a game, it was actually a little bit easier. Now, the consistency of trying to be good was harder um, because now it's not just about practice. you got to actually be good every single night. Um, and that was the biggest transition for me. What did Isaiah Thomas and Donnie Walsh do or mean to the maturation as a player or person of Jermaine O'Neal? It was amazing. Amazing. Um, a lot of people don't know this, though. Um, Isaiah stayed maybe three or four minutes away from me. Um, and I used to spend a lot of time at his house. Just, you know, um, Mrs. Thomas cooked dinner a lot for me, and we just talked, like, night overnight overnight. And it was just, it was like a father figure, you know, um, you know, just, you know, giving his, giving his son some tutelage of what it means to be a pro, what, what it means to be a professional, what it means to be a businessman, what it means to be a father. Um, and I was, that, was, that was big for me. In particular, guys, I don't know if you guys know, I didn't meet my father until I was 30 years old. 
right? And, like, that was, like, a real thing for me. Um, and so to have an opportunity to have leadership uh, like I had with Isaiah and Donnie, uh, it, was pre- it was really, really amazing, guys, um, without, a, without a doubt. So then once you are playing and Isaiah is not here, how does a player battle with that? Was that tough for you? It was tough. It was tough. Um, it's actually interesting enough. Um, Isaiah was with me and the USA team in the Olympic qualifiers in, in Puerto Rico um, when he got called back to um, uh, to Indy, and then uh, and then the next day he was he was let go. Uh, that was a hard pill to swallow. Um, but I will tell you this: you know, the business is the business, um, and, and in many cases, like your personal feelings towards things. Um, cannot alter your long-term goals. Um, obviously, I would like to have had him as a coach, but we got Rick Carlisle as a coach that came in and did a really good job. Um, and, you know, my, my job was to continue to go out and, 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 and be better, um, learn more, um, and try to help the team win. And so, you know, once, once your feelings, once you take your feelings out of it, um, you know, you move on and, and, and you try to you try to be the best version of yourself that you can. You know, for your, you know, for yourself, your family, your team, and your city. Pacers great Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. Jermaine, I want to turn the clocks back. February ninth, two thousand three. Phillips Arena in Atlanta, East versus West. Starting lineup for the Eastern <laughs> Conference: Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, Ben Wallace, Jermaine O'Neal. Michael Jeffrey Jordan coming off the bench, at least in terms of the way that that All-Star game was set up, and it's MJ's final All-Star appearance. What do you remember about that game in 03? Well, a couple of things, right? Uh, the one that sticks out to me the most is the, is the phantom foul, right, that they called. You didn't foul Kobe. On, <laughs> it, it was, like, it's, it's crazy. Like, they called that, which was, was just ridiculous. But, you know, obviously, when you get a chance to play with, um, the greatest player that's ever played the game, uh, and Michael Jordan. Um, I remember him coming, and, and it's crazy. It, it was like a movie, right? He was Jordan. Michael Jordan has an aura that we we just haven't seen. Only maybe a handful of people, um, maybe Messi, and you know, maybe another, you know, that level of athlete where you can hear him coming. Like we're in the locker room, but we can hear like the, the like it's like the. The cameras are just clicking, and you hear like the people, Michael, Michael, and it, and and it's it's faint, and then it gets louder, 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 and then he walks in, and it's like he's gliding across the floor, right? And it was like one of those things where, wow, I'm really in here with Michael Jordan, and I remember t- telling him, I said, you know, Michael, and I still have his shoes to this very day. I said, Mike, I said, either you're gonna sign those shoes, or I'm gonna steal them from you. And he said, well, you're not going to steal them, so I'm just going to go ahead and sign them for you. And he handed them to me. And that was like an amazing moment for me because obviously, you know, Michael is Michael. And, um, you know, he's, he's just so legendary. And just to be in his, in his presence uh, meant a lot to me. And you still have them, right? Still have them. Yes, sir. Yeah. Have them. <laughs> I would hope, right? Uh, Jermaine O'Neal, <laughs> right. our guest. Jermaine, let me give you, as somebody who covered your whole career here in Indiana, let me give you the, the Jake Quarry-like summary, and then I want you to grade it and tell me how off base I am, okay? I recall it was later um, in your time here when you were talking about how you ultimately wanted to have your number retired here, and I I can't remember whether, and and it was not the brawl. I I don't know whether it was health or whatever it was, but 
I, I was watching it and I thought to myself, this is a guy that loves Indiana. This is a guy that loves the fans of Indiana. This is a guy that loves representing the Pacers. But for right now, it feels like, and I think this has changed, but in that moment towards the end that the fans didn't necessarily appreciate your love for it in the moment at the time and that it's taken time for everyone to figure that out. Is that a fair assessment? It is. And I, and let me just say this. Uh, that, that's that been the biggest challenge for me because I never really understood, you know, um, like the brawl itself um, was something that is, is really hard to explain. And, and not just the brawl itself, but everything that happened afterwards. And you know, I'm not sure if you guys watched that the, the uh, you know the uh, Netflix uh, deal. Uh, it took me about ten years to put it together, and, and finally got you know was able to really do a documentary that was people's true opinion, right? Just so everybody, that's, you guys know, and everybody's listening to this, we didn't film one scene together. So when I called everybody, I said, "Look, whatever your truth is, say it." I said, because I want to be able to say my truth, not, not, not to, you know, take a shot at the NBA or anybody else. Or, you know, it was more just kind of how I felt. And the thing was that a lot of people didn't know, and, and I don't know if they felt like it was arrogance or anything else that was connected to it, but we went through a process 10 years after that happened. Right? We, were, we wasn't allowed to speak on it. So whatever opinion that was made, or, or was, was pushed out there or whatever narrative was, was pushed out there, we had to sit on it. And in particular with me, I had to sit on it. Another thing that people didn't know, that I actually took the NBA to court and won. See, people thought that I, I, that I had uh, finished my suspension. I was reinstated, right, because a federal judge said I had the right to do what I, do, I did. And I say this respectfully. And this is something that, you know, obviously looking back at it, you know, and you're right, 100%. I've always wanted to finish my career in Indy to a point that I had Aaron Tellum at the time, who was my agent, uh, reach out to the patient and say, look, you know, even if it's a one day, I just want to finish standing up on my own two feet in the Indiana Pacers uniform, right? And, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. That's fine. End up, you know, just, just you know, walking away without even announcing that I was going to retire. Um, but I will tell you guys this. Go back to what I was saying. When you're in a position of leadership, right, and, you know, all you see is, is, is a looped, like a looped, you know, guy sliding in there and punching somebody. Well, people don't realize that the same guy that I punched was on top of Anthony Johnson in a cast. So Anthony Johnson had a cast in the suit. If you, if you go back and you look at it, and again, in this process, we had to show, you know, the NBA had to show all 28 angles and, and take that to court. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, this looks different. Right, but nobody was there to support it because nobody knew how to handle it. We're talking about something that was just—it was a national televised game, right? And when you're not allowed to speak about it, then any and everybody can can paint a narrative about you. And that's the thing that I was always disappointed about. Like, it's like, well, why are people upset with me when you know when, when true, the true value of leadership isn't just in a corporate office? isn't just on a basketball court, isn't just in your house with your family. It's when you are being attacked, right? What can you do to help your others as a captain of a team, right? What can you do when, when, there's, no, when there's no security there to help you, right? When it's just you and your teammates. I mean, you guys remember the, the police coming in and trying to pepper spray you know, when, when Reggie got in the middle. It was that type of environment. But, again, when, you know, we're so – 
we're, we're so in tune to what we read and what we hear that we think that it's in, in some cases that that's actually true. And, and I'm just going to tell you, my job, even when I was able 10 years later, was able to even, you know, have a conversation. It wasn't about that because the NBA has been great to me. The Indiana Pacers was great to me, right? Like, I have nothing bad to say. I'm disappointed that it happened in general, right? But, you know, to, to say that, you know, I had ill wills towards anything or anybody or people had ill wills towards me because of that, then, you know, that's the biggest part that I was disappointed with. Jermaine, did you feel like that the – the documentary, which I thought was very well done, very well done. And, you know, Stephen Jackson, who I love, I mean, I love Stephen Jackson. And I think people, it would be hard for people to be around Stephen Jackson for more than an hour to not then go, yeah, I love that. That dude's just like loyal through and through. But did you feel like it accomplished what it was that you set out to accomplish, which was to just simply lay out and display the narrative from your guy's standpoint? You know, what's interesting. Um, it was the doc really wasn't really even for to, to, in my eyes for me personally, right? I wanted to create something that was, you know, was you know everybody can use it and tell their story, right? But it was more for me, mentally and emotionally. I've held that thing in for so long, and it it, it, it built up so much anger. Um, I, you know, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to Netflix um, because I asked them. I said, on every rough cut, could you send it to me? And you know, sometimes you lose you lose a battle in the, with the big boxes, right? You, you lose it, and they sent it to me every time. And I must have watched it maybe eleven or twelve times before it came out. And I tell you, fellas, I cried every single time. And every single time that I watched that thing, uh, it brought up some, another memory, right? And I probably watched it a total of nineteen, twenty times total. And every single time, it was emotional because it was so much lost in that process. And people think about that that scenario as a fight. Right? I'm a parent too. Or I'm a community leader. Right. And perception and to this very moment. Right. You know, I do a lot of stuff in Dallas right now. You know, we've had an amazing run with, you know, with some amazing players that now are in the NBA. Um, but, you know, kids still ask me about that. Right? And, and, and many of them weren't even born when it happened. So, that, so it's still a thing. Right. And so I, I just think from that perspective, like like doing that doc allowed me to to excel a little bit and take it, you know, and, and take it, you know, you know, put myself in a, in a position where now I can just go on with my life and, and not have to worry about it. You know, when I hear about it now, I smile a little bit, you know, when somebody brings it up, I say, look, you know, unfortunate, you know, don't like to talk much about it, but you know, it happened. And so, and then, or I just say, Hey, look, go check it out on Netflix. Right. Where, you know, so they can have something to base their opinion off of. Are you finally free of it? I am free. I am free. Um, you know, um, I'm always, you know, I have a three one seven number. You know, I've, I've touched many other cities since I've, I've been, I've been from there. But um, you know, I can go anywhere in the world and be recognized, and I'm gonna be recognized as a pacer. You know, many people, many people don't even know that the, that, the, that the Trailblazers drafted me. People think the, the Pacers drafted me, right? Because you know, just so they've they've given me an opportunity, and the Simons family has given me an opportunity to live a life that I could ever dreamed about. The NBA has given me an opportunity to live a life and and and, and live a dream that many don't get to do. And I can always go back and say, you know what? I lived the dream uh, at its fullest. I've learned a lot, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the indifferent of it. Um, and now I can give that information back to, you know, Jermaine Jr. now, um, who is inspiring to be, 
you know, basketball player or the same information to my daughter, you know, who's now a pro volleyball player um, and hopefully getting ready for the Olympics and any other person, any other kid or family that's in the community or what it takes to be successful and the pitfalls of success. Pacers great Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. Jermaine, I know there's mutual love from the city of Indianapolis and from Pacers fans for your career to the point that whenever you have a player like yourself where they end up away from the franchise and they have different spots in their career, you want them to win a ring. I was one of those people. I know a lot of Pacers people are the same way. And you're at Golden State effectively if you just look at your career bio a year too early. And I read a piece the other day that I was not aware of at the time, but it came out in 2016 that you did with Sports Illustrated. And you mentioned earlier in our conversation today, you did not meet your real father until you were 30. How much, and this piece reveals it, but for those that don't know, how much did family, and you mentioned Jermaine Jr. already, how much did family play a role in deciding, you know, I could stick around Golden State or I could make one more push at a title, but it's time to spend time with family. And how tough was that decision? Uh, family was was number was number one um, on that decision. Uh, I, you know, it was it was interesting. Um, you know, when Golden State called me back, obviously Bob Myers used to represent me uh, when he was on the agent side. Uh, with he worked on the R and Tell him. Um, so, you know, it was, I had a great one year with them and had an opportunity to bring some leadership to the table. You know, I think Bob always speaks about the, he still, he still speaks about it on television crazy enough, but, um, th- it was hard for me because I, the year before I was with Phoenix, I was with Phoenix cause I just got a treatment, um, uh, orthokine treatment from Germany that, uh, the late great Kobe Bryant made famous. Um, he's actually, I actually went over there with him to get it and I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, and so I, I needed to go to a situation where, um, you know, expectation wasn't high. Um, so Phoenix was young. My, I told my wife and kids, Hey, look, just, let's, we're going to, we're going to put our roots into Dallas. You guys go ahead and stay there. And that was hard. That was the first time that I hadn't stayed with my family. And then I started to see a little bit of change with my son. Uh, and then my daughter was like, Hey, like, you know, dad, you know, it's time, right? I, I want you at my games. And then obviously she ended up having the heart situation. So um, I, you know, I probably could have played physically, probably could have played 20 years, like two more years. Um, but I just emotionally didn't have anything left because, you know, the very thing that has supported me in, in all of my down years, and even to be honest, you know, from my um, ability to uh, feel accepted, you know, for my father, my wife and my kids uh, fill that void, right? And, um, yeah, I just felt like it was time to give back because they had sacrificed so much of their or what they wanted and what they needed uh, for me to play 18 years. Um, and you have to remember, I met my wife at 17. Um, so she went through an entire process of of everything, uh, of the of the growth of uh, Jermaine O'Neal um, and learning how to be everything that I needed to be um, so it just made more sense for me to retire. They tried to get me to come back to, to, to they wanted, I'm going to be honest, tears on my tears came down my eyes. When I watched the celebration of the winning the first year. And then they asked me again to come back. And I was like, well, guys, I just, I literally tried to get back in shape and I physically, I got going, but mentally it was just, it was over. How much did 
meeting your dad when you did and, and seeing kind of a crossroads moment with your career and your family that late in life, how much did that impact your decision? A lot. You know, um, you know, I raised my kids how I wanted my dad to raise me. Now, I've, you know, for so long, I've dealt with abandonment issues. And that's why, you know, that's why the brawl has such an impact on me, right? Because you work so hard to be in a position um, of leadership, be in a position of, you know, people loving you and, and, and appreciating everything that you do. Um, and that's why I was so big in the communities when I was there. Um, but then you, you meet your dad at 30, and you're 13 years into the league, and, you know, um, you know, quick long story short, my, my, my grandmother and my mother tricked me into going because I, I did have a certain anger towards him. And then, you know, I walked up to him, brought my kids, my grandma said, bring, bring, bring my, my grandbabies, and I brought my daughter and my son, and it was like the best moment for me because, you know, I just told him, I was, I was able to tell him, hey, look, you know, look at these kids. I raised them exactly how I wanted you to raise me. And that took a lot of weight off my shoulders because I'd never had a conversation with them before. Right. And so having that conversation was amazing. Um, but a lot of, a lot of things went unanswered because he ended up dying like 13 months later. Right. And so I never really had, you know, you know, I had to learn everything about me as a man, uh, father, husband, whatever you want to call it is, is in the, I, I'm learning on the fly. You know, I've never had a moment where I can call my dad and say, look, you know, I need help or, you know, what's your thoughts or this or that. It is literally me learning on the fly. And I've been, truly blessed to have some amazing people. Um, a high school coach who you guys probably uh, know of, he, he's passed over the last couple of years, but he was amazing to the growth. Uh, people like Isaiah, you know, um, teammates, you know, I've had a lot of mix uh, of people to help try to, you know, patch up, you know, that emotional void in my life. Well, how important was it for you, Jermaine, with that 13-month period between when you meet your father and then you lose your father, but to be able to have him pass with you having the opportunity to put away the anger, if you will, or work through it and finally get kind of a closure with an opening, if that makes sense, of the relationship. You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I had closure. Um, I think I had enough. Uh, saying that was enough to 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 have me view things differently. Um a little bit differently, you know. Interesting enough, you were know, you able to forgive scenario, him? I guess did you have a forgiveness? Oh, for sure, I, have, I had a forgiveness. Um, it, we, we actually ended up having a little disconnect um, once, you know. Um, once I left from there, you know, I was pretty excited. <clears throat> excuse me, I was pretty excited about, you know, the opportunity of him being a friend. You know, because yeah, at that point, you know, I don't, I don't know if you know, I know what the true, the true meaning of being a dad is, right? I, I, that I know. Um, so it was more about creating that friendship. And then he wrote me a letter, um, and it was more just without getting too deep into it. It was more about me doing things for him, and that that was the crushing blow. Um, because then at that point, it was never like you know, again as a dad, like I know what it means to make you know spelling bees and you know, being there for your kids and, you know, teach them how to, you know, ride bikes and, and just being there mentally and emotionally for them and have that situation happen. It was, it was pretty rough. And I was, I was upset uh, about that. And then, you know, we didn't have any more conversations. I ended up getting a call from my sister saying that he was, uh, he was killed in a car accident. So, um, you know, it's, 
the closure wouldn't be I, I wouldn't call it closure um I, I it was a it was it was a healing moment for me Jermaine O'Neal is our guest. All-Star Weekend is here. He was a six-time All-Star. And, Jermaine, I think the thing, and I want you to, to kind of, I guess, in to encapsulate it all, touch on this um, in conclusion. Just in listening to you talk and knowing your story, I covered your the majority of your career. There are a lot of things here that I didn't know. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's pretty darn cool to be a six-time All-Star and to start an All-Star game and to come back to the city where you played and were an All-Star. But it all seems to almost be secondary to the game that you were striving on a regular basis to be the best at, and that is simply the one away from the court of basketball and just in the people around you and the things and the challenges and the timeouts that were placed before you at no choice of yours. Have you ever been able to sit back and really truly grasp all of that? Um, I think I have it in spurts, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I continue to search for uh, God's calling for me and His will, and a lot of it's been with kids. Um, you know, we have a lot of deficiencies in our in our homes, whether you you know suburban America, middle middle class America, inner city America, right? It's just it's just deficiencies, and you know the great game of basketball was the healing was a healing factor, and it gave me an opportunity to continue to educate myself in areas that just that I wasn't able to do it in you know growing up, right? And as I continue to learn, you know about these things, um, you know obviously challenges happen, um, you know you go through you know your moments. Um, but you continue to push forward. And I would always say to people, it's like, you know, when you look at people, you know, you never know what they're going through, right? And, you know, as a basketball player, you know, the things that, you know, you think matters to you the most, you think as when you watch a basketball player, that basketball matters to you the most. But when you have deficiencies emotionally, you know, um, you, you, that, you know, you find that your, that your family and, and the people that you love the most matters the most. Right. And those that that's, you know, when things happen, like the ball or injuries or whatever it is, you know, you feel like you have to rely on, you know, that and, and, and on people. And I will say this, guys, um, you know, being able to come back, I have not been to an all-star game uh, since I played in it. And to be quite honest, um, I hadn't, I have not loved basketball because I felt like, um, to the point, you know, going through that situation you know, for so many years, you know, the brawl situation, it was like the equivalence of being married and watching your wife do you wrong in front of you, but you can't really react to anything, right? And and that's just the core truth, right? And, you know, so I stayed away from it, right? I wouldn't do television. I wouldn't do anything. I just stayed away from it and just wanted to put my head down. But when I heard it was coming to Indy, um, I said, look, let me pick, let me pick my head up, out, you know, from where I'm where I'm at, and you know, let's go enjoy it. You know, I think Indy, Indy deserves you know these moments. Um, it's a lot of hard hat, good people, uh, very supportive fans. You know, uh, sports town, and so to be able to get it, I love had to come and be a part of it. Jermaine O'Neal, I think. Listen, you you were a great player here, and I think that there were probably misconceptions about you, and. I think that we as a city and as a fan base and a media have worked through those same things in better understanding you. And 
I think you're a damn good representation for this city and for this franchise. And uh, I think a lot of people should be and will be very proud to not only have you back in Indianapolis, but uh, to be able to also allow you to kind of get back to embrace the game that embraced you for a long time as well. We appreciate certainly the time today. Thank you. I really appreciate that.